Hello, and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. Uh, and I'm your co-host, Buddy. And today we were joined by our very special guest, longtime friend of the cast, uh, Mark. Hey everyone, it's uh, great to be back as always. And today we're going to talk a little bit about mythic and personal progression systems. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? Well... Uh, we like to talk about games. This week we'll be talking about Pathfinder, um, and there's uh, there's plenty of love to go around. I am obviously excited for this uh, for this topic as the you know like the last two sessions of my of my game have been all about this kind of thing. But before we get to that, uh, we did play some RPGs since last recording the podcast. What did we? I guess we just played Hell's Rebels. Yeah, just Hell's just the one session of Hell's Rebels, which the previous podcast did not manage to go up before we played. So, you know, there's that. Um, we also had Rune Lords. No, we, we discussed Rune Lords on the last... We recorded the last podcast oh. on Tuesday. Yeah, so... so uh, we can tell uh, that, inside... You can tell that Mark's a loyal listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inside baseball for all, of, uh, for all of you listeners out there. We're actually recording this on the Friday before we head down to Gen Con just so we can get an episode out uh, while everybody's on the planes and trains and all of, all of the... That's why, the that's why I haven't listened to it yet. It's, it's off schedule. Fair enough. Uh, the uh, so what happened in Hell's Rebels? We it was it was another kind of smaller filler session. Another one of our players couldn't make it um, because he decided that he didn't want to tell us that he couldn't make it, and then we spent half of the session waiting if he was just going to show up. But um, the uh, uh, we we took care of a lot of small scale stuff. A lot of uh, a lot of kind of like uh, you know questions that needed to be answered. Um, that weren't necessarily super, super story related, uh, but ended up, uh, being, being, being very story related. Uh, and Mark got his, you know, and Mark got his bonus feats. So now half the, half the players have bonus feats, uh, Mark, Mango, and, uh, uh, Warren, which is, uh, you know, good news. Good news for everybody. Mm. We also handled some, um, what, what, what is essentially the end game of the rebellion, um, and uh, which is which is the the clause by which which Kentargo can secede from the Chalish Empire, and uh, planning for the raid on the vault, and uh, a discussion about what to do about Mateo's brother Cassius. Um, I was very uh, I was very see it's funny because a lot of this stuff is stuff that I had kind of planned almost to sprinkle in. Um, between some of the more straightforward story beats, uh, but I was uh, I was uh, interested, I guess, to see how you guys wanted to approach the situation at the prison. Um, it was one of those times where I really went out of my own way not to bog people down in mechanics and let it be just kind of as, you know, I just wanted to give... Here are the people, here's a brief idea of kind of how they, you know, how they do, what they work, and, and you know, and you go nuts uh, with kind of figuring out how you want to approach this. Um. I think it was largely successful. Um, in, uh, like, you know, we, we came up with a, a cogent battle plan. Uh, it took a little while, and it took a little finagling, but, you know, I, I think I think it took the appropriate amount of those things. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I personally really enjoyed it. I thought there were a lot of options, and it reminded me a lot of um, some of the stuff we did back in the day in Endless Winter. So I thought that was yeah. really cool. 
I, that, that's a little bit of what I was trying to, uh, something I realized, I, I haven't actually said this at all, but, um, I've been tweaking these mass combat mechanics behind the scenes and almost all of my tweaking has come down to a realization that, uh, it's probably not worth it to overly generalize things that it's actually kind of okay to, you know, not break it down into, oh, these are the different kinds of mass combat, you know, units or whatever, um, and then give a kind of explanation of what these, you, you like, units are, how they work, or whatever, and then give you a specific version of those units as you end up recruiting people into your army, that it's actually better to just kind of skip the middleman, right, and just kind of say, okay, here is what, uh, you know... This particular unit does. This particular unit, you know, this is their this is their story reason for existing, right? Um, and this is what this is what their mechanics are, rather than kind of uh, the you know the the indirect roundabout way that I was handling it earlier. Huh. Interesting. So so for uh, I guess preview for future episode. Um, so there's there's no longer these like these like four or five class class. So the, yeah, I mean the classes the classes exist right, but they're gonna be they are going to be on my side of things more or less right. Like when you you're right. So the, what I don't want to do, uh, what I want to do is I want to put down a set of rules right. This is how the combat works, kind of from beginning to end, and then give you specific units that work in specific ways because of kind of the art. And the other half of it is I realize that I think it's better to be. Uh, uh, you know, uh, key to, to like key into the RP of the situation, right? If you know, not not that this, you know, just as an example, let's say that um, you know the the Held Knights serve as a unit, right? I want the Held Knights to look like Held Knights and act like Held Knights and behave like Held Knights individually and uniquely, and not as like a okay, this is a group of. You know, you know this. It's not like it's a. This is a group of centurions, right? Or this is a group of sentinels. This is a group of hell knights. These are what their mechanics are. You know what the hell knights are all about, and this is why the mechanics match the story, kind of thing. Um, which, in general, I think is just a stronger glue to hold everything together um, than, actually, than what I had put out before. I actually really like that because I feel that sort of stuff tends to go really well as far as immersion. And I think that that does take a very specific type of group, however. I think a big problem that we can run into is um, some of our more mechanically stringent individuals take offense to that sort of thing. But in the end, I think that's probably the ideal way of doing it. It's very interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely want I definitely want there to be like mechanics to chew down on. Um, but I did, you know, part of part of this session was very much about uh, like almost test driving to see how how open to that kind of thing people were. Uh, I was really happy to see, you know, like it, I I was surprised that it was kind of Jimmy and Warren, you know, Marigrug and Weirin who had taken the command uh, and kind of uh, led the discussion about how. Uh, the the attack on the vault was going to go down. That was that was interesting, and not and not what I had expected um, when it came to you know the strategic phase of things. I actually I thought that was really cool. Um, also, I like being able to 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 sit back and let and let uh the like let the things like like usually there's like uh with the, with the more story focused elements obviously, Beauregard feels the need to insert himself. This is a nice time when Beauregard could sit back and be like, I don't know anything I mean, about fighting. 
it also Go fight. It also helped that it was like after our um, online university course in legal discourse. Oh yeah, right. No, that was funny. I actually. I, I did enjoy that. Like, I'm really glad that uh, you had some, like, really center screen time and a chance to really hash out and dig into the mechanics of things. Plus, it was something that I know Mango, as a player, really cares about and really engages deeply with, like, the nuance of that sort of stuff. So, I thought that was really uh, quite satisfying. I wanted to... Uh, I like stuff like this because I really like, um, you know... Not that I like the legalistic nature of it uh, kind of in and of itself, but I like it as a reflection of how Chaliax and Hell works, right? Um, that, that of course, there is just, like, a ridiculously bureaucratic and arcane way that Kintargo can get out of this con... You know, and so and it's just got all of these hoops you got to jump through, right? Like, oh, what, do they hold political office? Does, you know, all of that stuff to me is... Uh, it's, it's, it's valuable, for, like, first from kind of, like, it, pr- it provides a set of obstacles to be overcome, um, but also from a perspective of... That kind of thing is very in keeping with how Chiliax and Hell work idiosyncratically of like the rest of the world. This isn't the you know this isn't the kind of contract that you're gonna find in Magnamar, um, for comparison. Yeah, no, absolutely, and kind of like you know, as as Mark said, the 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 devil is in the details, kind kind of literally, um, in in this case, and I think it's like. This game, which is a very intrigue-focused game, obviously, that's kind of like a lot of a lot of the meat of that um, kind of narrative thread is like you know, get, getting in, getting into exactly what's happening, and, and you know, really hashing out a plan for what we need to do to to accomplish the goals. And so, I I, I very much appreciated it, um, rather than having to roll a bunch of just you know, roll a bunch of checks, see what happens, swing sword good. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh... I definitely feel that. And to a certain extent, I've been trying to rely a little bit less on checks. Uh, I felt bad almost uh, to a little bit in book one. That was like one of my own mental notes, but I do feel a little bit like I've swung too far the opposite way that I probably should be requiring a little bit more in the way of uh, uh, a little bit more in the way of sense motive and diplomacy checks to kind of get, get stuff done. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a balance and I, I'm sure I'm sure you'll find it. Um, and I, I, I don't think, like, I think erring on the side of flexibility is usually a good idea. Like, I feel like you can always kind of reel it back a little bit. I think it's very hard to, like, like reel it forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I feel that, definitely. All right. Um, that was Hell's Rebels. That was Rebels. Hell's Rebels. Um... <laughs> Did we, did you guys play any uh, video games recently? Mark, feel free to look, uh, look a little further back than last week. But uh, I think for most of us, the answer is going to be World of Warcraft. Um, and that's about it. Because uh, that, that is literally the only thing I have played between the last the recording of the last episode and right now. Um, and that's just more of the same at this point. You know, grinding, rep, and, and, and the like before the... The big scary expansion comes out. Um, also, discovering that Cadgar is a pretty shit wizard. Oh my god! Stop quoting that? that meme. <laughs> it's the fucking dumbest shit. Is it? Is this a meme that I don't know about? Yeah, it's like it... some bullshit meme. Anyway, it's it's actually a pretty funny video, but it's just 
getting taken way too far because Mango's quoting it like every chance he gets that's anything remotely related to Cadgar. It's like, oh yeah, there's today a jungle. Yeah, we wouldn't have to go there if Cadgar wasn't such a shit wizard. Man, this garrison is pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but Cadgar's a shit wizard. I bought groceries today. Cadgar's a shit wizard. <laughs> like, I, uh, okay, I guess I had I had not heard. Uh, I suppose I well, had not heard of. I did this. not. I did not either until Mango wrote it into the fucking ground, <laughs> like like an like an ancient pony. Anyway, that's that's destined for the glue factory quite soon. So. I'll I'll, um, uh, I'll link the video. You really went all out on that metaphor, by the way. Like you know that was that was not a you know, that was not a, a a small scale. It's not like you were leaning on you like really created a what yeah. is an ancient pony? Why is it going to the if it's ancient? How are there factories for to turn it into glue? No, no. What, I mean, like, like the age of the pony is quite high, such that <laughs> its its bones are brittle. Fair enough. And it um, sags close to the ground. Oh, anyway, so, yeah, you know, I've been playing a lot of the pre-patch. I'm definitely happy with where Miss Weavers are because it's uh, pretty broken. But the play style is good, too. So hopefully that carries over into um, more typical play come Legion. Plus, we've been talking a lot about setting up for raids and leveling paths and all that fun nonsense. I also think... Uh, I don't know i play i've been playing some overwatch lately i got to try out anna she's pretty interesting i still haven't tried out anna because i'm a huge piece of shit because you're <laughs> garbage that's why i mean you know i so, yeah i definitely i definitely like overwatch i imagine that um i'll be uh getting into uh i, I imagine like... that i'll be like cycling into overwatch in and out of overwatch as time goes on um but uh i yeah. I, I feel very focused on League of Legends right now, not the least of which is because really? I have defend or not. You're not back. Sorry, no, no, no. World of Warcraft. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I uh, I don't know why. I, I guess League of Legends, World of Warcraft. They just anyway. Um, they're the, both, uh, they're both the massive time graphics. seeks. Yeah, they hey. both. Yeah, yeah. No, but actually. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, honestly, I think one of the things fueling my love of World of Warcraft is that there's a lot of good television to watch right now. You know, like BoJack Horseman, Marco Polo, all that stuff. I have recently Holy gotten into shit. <laughs> Friday Night Lights, uh, which is a football show. I'm beginning, I, you know, it's funny because I, I, I kind of ritualistically hate on, like, football specifically because I think that. Because it trolls uh, Mango the is, most. Uh, well, no, because like you know, it's one of those things where uh, where the the like the kind of damage that you can do to yourself playing football is like kind of fucking unreal. Yeah, um, if you're a, and, if you're uh, a wuss, get yeah, good. Well, so, and so, uh, and I was trying. It was funny because I was trying to look for something like I was trying to look for something uplifting after watching just like the absolute devastation of BoJack Horseman. And I, was it and that I rough? And oh. <laughs> yeah and i found this and i found this friday night lights show the very first episode of which spoiler alert the star quarterback uh has to tackle uh he, he has to he has to tackle an uh, uh an interception from like the other you know from the other team like a you know whoever was a cornerback a tackle whatever on the defensive team and he tackles him incorrectly and ends up getting paralyzed from the waist down i was like oh fuck like we're downer city let's go uh, but anyway, my point is that um, that I I am very ripe to cycle back into you know kind of uh, not low key in a in a uh, well like low low key gaming in a sense that I can kind of chill out you know it's not the end of the world 
in World of Warcraft if I if I just kind of white attack a random mob for a minute, right? Um, Dude, but you kind of can't do that thing. In so Overwatch. I have I have heard if you're looking for more series that Stranger Things is supposed to be very good. I have also I have heard, heard that. that. Yeah. Um, I am typically not a horror person. Ah, um, uh, well, I am. So I'm gonna watch the crap out of that once I'm done with Marco Polo and the mini project. It's been a uh, the what the Mindy Project really? Yeah, it's actually really good. <laughs> to be completely honest, I have been wanting. I I am a I am a huge fan. Okay, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Today, this is a real this is a real message that I sent to Rachel today about about Friday Night Lights when I was watching it. I was talking about. I said uh, I said, oh no, my uh, my anti OTP like one true pairing. My one false pairing are breaking up. Okay, good. This is a good day. And she was like, what's what's a, an OFP? That, that doesn't make any sense. My girlfriend, who frequents Tumblr more than she frequents any other website, what? was asking me what an OFP was. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, they're breaking up. So this allows for my third OTP to get together. And she was like, there's three of them. I was like, actually, no, I'm lying. This is my fourth OTP. I'm so into this. I'm so into this show from like a soap opera relationships perspective. What, Friday and that, uh, what? Yeah, Friday Night Lights. Yeah, it, it, you, you know, have three you know. OTPs for a show you started oh, dude, watching I, I, on who's, like Monday. Who's, who's your yeah. waifu? Who's Definitely. who's who's the best girl of Friday Night Lights? The the best girl of Friday Night Lights. I'm gonna put this down. Any Friday Night Lights fanboys out there, fucking fight me. Is Julie Taylor the coach's the coach's daughter who dates the replacement quarterback Matt Saracen? They are adorable, and I love it, and it warms my heart. I've wanted, I've been meaning to watch uh, stuff like the, you know, like the Bindi Project because I was always, um, you know, I was always really shitting on the New Girl, you know, the Zoe Deschanel show, and it is secretly like one of my favorite shows now. And I was like, well, maybe I should stop being such a, you know, such a piece of shit about uh, about shows like that that are aimed at uh, not necessarily me. Yeah, that. So I, my mom watches the Mindy Project, oh, and God. apparently. It apparently got her to watch The Office, um, so that, oh, that okay. was interesting. I had a conversation Fair with enough. her recently about what I thought she of The Office, and just, I was like, "What? Why? Yeah. What? What did you think of The Office?" Just oh, I I don't watch a lot of The Office because, um, or I never did because that type of like really awkward humor is more painful than it is enjoyable to me. So, um, like, it's less bad than like say Peep Show, which I absolutely cannot watch more than like. 15 minutes of at a time. I didn't even know what, I didn't even know what Peep Show is. Peep Show Peep Show is a British show where everything is just like these two guys being as painfully like when I say painfully awkward it's not like you know it, it's it's not like you know like 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 some some autistic child being weird. It's like they find themselves in a regrettable social situation and they immediately realize they're in a regrettable social situation and you can see that they are feeling terrible about it and they're feeling terrible about it. And in those situations, I can't laugh at them. I feel terrible. I guess maybe because I see a little bit of myself reflected a little bit too much in it. You know, I have to say... I'm with you a thousand fucking percent, okay, dude. That kind of thing, that like cringe humor like that, yeah. I cannot stand it. I can't get oh, it. I yeah. can't get behind it. It kills me. Uh, interestingly enough, though, the American Office doesn't feel like that to me, and maybe um, 
I think this is because it is um, it is used distinctly of American. I think I think Michael Scott gets enough kind of like pet the dog moments where even though he is cringy at times, he's also very endearing. I cannot watch the British Office um, where the you know Ricky Gervais uh, plays you know the 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 Michael Scott version over there where he is just all cringe all the time. And that show is such a fucking downer. You know Michael Scott at the end of the American Office spoiler alert for a show that ended over a you know five years ago um he moves out to he moves out to colorado with you know like the one woman that he meets that finds his kind of like super cringy humor actually you know like romantically attractive right he gets you know he gets a happy ending kind of thing um ricky gervais's character ends the series crying in like the regional supervisor's office begging to get his job back after he's you know after he's been fired from being a terrible manager it's just like oh i can't i can't do that i can't deal with it oh, oh. well that's rough that sounds, that sounds so i guess what would have helped them in those situations is some mythic power leading us to our current topic that is what we call an expert segue (laughs) yes no the Uh, d6 roll would help them on their diplo checks it would it would definitely have helped them uh they could have pumped some of their free ability power or so their the the ability points that they get into charisma you know maybe take maybe take feet of charisma or whatever that one generic (laughs) path is all Uh, right so to lay a little bit of the groundwork um, I'm running a game of people mostly that that are or that that you guys have never heard from, um, the, uh, the you guys being the audience, um, where they all have mythic power. I'm running it super raw, um, and letting them just kind of go crazy with WWE it. WWE raw, not, sushi not raw, not quite. Uh, more more like uh, uh, what's uh, maybe sushi raw is good. I, I like the, I like the idea of, of sushi raw. But anyway, Mark's running. Uh, Rise of the Rune Lords, and he has just introduced Mythic Power with some caveats to it. To it, I'll let him explain his changes. Um, so, 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 what are the changes for that, Mark? Uh, basically, I tried to move away as much as possible from just straight plus, you know, plus ones or plus whatevers, and also I slowed down the Mythic Power progression. I like Mythic, I really do. And it's something I've come around to over time in that it's like, this seems like it's a really good fit for high fantasy, like martial characters. I don't really like the Hierophant or um, Archmage. I think those paths are kind of stupid, to be honest. But but I like all the melee ones. I think the melee ability is really done well. Fair enough. And it almost Uh, feels like those could could be an extension of the stamina system. I think stamina plus mythic makes martial characters capable of doing some really nutso cool shit. Oof. See, I'm actually kind of down on stamina uh, overall. I thought it was way cooler... When I originally said, like, it, it was way cooler in theory than I have found it to be in practice. I think um, maybe it's not because I'm really playing a, like a super hardcore. A lot of my feats are are homebrew feats that don't have a stamina version of them. I mean, I uh, can make instance. them like if you wanted to. Like, I did prepare for that. Like when I was sure, sure. I, but anyway, I just mean in the sense, uh, I just mean in in the kind of like the greater sense of maybe I haven't delved super far into it. Uh, but it is one of those things that uh, like. On the outset, it looks cool, but as I actually get into the practice of dealing with, um, you know, like dealing with combat stamina, I kind of don't really want to get down in the weeds as much as I originally thought. 
Um, though I do, I do sort of agree with your treatment of the mythic rules. To me, I think mythic is at its most interesting in the active abilities, uh, in the path, uh, uh, even the, the, the path passives or whatever. I don't think a lot of the ancillary power that comes from, um, mythic is all that valuable or interesting um to me it's just kind of a hidden but i'm not going to appreciate the you know the ability score increases i get uh at every you know whatever it is odd or even um like mythic tier increase um uh stuff like that i think gotcha uh, yeah so um just just to kind of to, to finish out the uh the changes that mark made he also you you also added um a kind of uh, so certain, yeah, okay. Let me certain overpowered feats get. Let, let get, me let me just get into that. So basically, what I did yeah. is I said like, on the get go, it costs mythic power to turn your mythic feats on, and that was less a. I think some of these things are super broken. As much as it is, I don't want to read the system, and if I don't put some sort of check in place that I can remove, players are going to find some option that I didn't like expect and just you know bullshit their way through mechanics or whatever so i think so, you that know stuff... not to accuse you of being defensive but that answer is very defensive and i think it's defensive well, for a reason, okay right? i think no, i think me, you were let me elaborate were... let me elaborate i mean i think there's some very there, there's some feats that definitely require that like i think there's some feats that are just too good right um and i think using that is kind of like like using the system like using the system you set out as, as a way to kind of like it's yeah, basically as a, as a fine player. And I also think, it's and I like also think lock, that it's a you know you can put all the doors out there, but you put locks on them, just so like you know if you try and lock them later once someone's already gone in the room per se, that can cause a lot of frustration. And I'd rather not have someone think, oh, this is really really super cool that I get six extra attacks every iterative attack I make, and then be like, no, you can't have that. Like it's just to avoid that kind of scenario. Um. I, uh, um, I don't mind the, uh, the kind of, like, mythic power to turn stuff on. I think it's, to a certain extent, necessary as a baseline for the kind of players that we are. Um, I think that there is plenty of, uh, you know... I think maybe to, like, the theoretical average player, it's not, um... A super big deal one way or the other i just think like we are so experienced in pathfinder and D at this point that it's like you know we just intuitively find the like best synergies or best options to do what we want uh, honestly i think that like the the practical use of this is there are certain certain feats that that need a cost correct that they don't have yeah that's that's um, i mean that's the practical and, takeaway and, and so i i think I, I think it's more i think it's more fruitful to talk about it in those terms rather than trying to explain the uh or rather than explaining this this kind of weird logic that we have to implement for uh for various sundry reasons about why we might say that every feat requires uh an extra point which gets rescinded on approval when the system is really these four broken feats get extra points as do any like you know and leave it at that because we won't be talking about any of the ones that we haven't discovered yet right sure sure. Um, um, also, to be clear, the the broken feats that we're directly addressing are things like combat reflexes, 
um, using mythic combat reflexes to get out of the uh, kind of dex power that comes with combat reflexes, right? If I'm a, if I'm a fighter with a ten dex, getting combat reflexes, you know, it nets, I think it needs to be just one um, uh, yeah. one extra usage of of uh, an attack of opportunity, but with mythic. You know, you get a, you know that that feels very that feels very min maxi. That as a thing feels very min maxi. If you, do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it so just I think, encourages so min maxi. Like, yeah. So yeah. I think it's I think it's a re, a, a response to that. Yeah. Uh, specifically. Yeah, I also think I think the other, the other big one is mythic rapid shot, which I just think is straight up over the top. Oh yeah, I kind of can't just, believe it's just a uh, little bit way too much power. Um. Uh, several of my of my characters have taken mythic rapid shot. And I, I've I've left it as as is, um, but it's just like as, uh, another attack at full BAB. They were a minus two instead of instead of like you. So mythic rapid shot for those of you at home that don't know is you either cancel the minus two for rapid shot or you get another extra attack at the minus two, and that's just like especially if you have anything with flat modifiers. Like we're playing Wrath of the Righteous where everything's a demon and one of our inquisitors. Can use Bane. So that's like yeah. another like, you know, free ten damage every round. Um and you know, not that I'm I'm down on on the on the players for using that because it's it's there, but I, I do think maybe a little bit of adjustment to that is uh is necessary. Um But yeah, ki- kinda to get back to, to, to just address the thing that you initially said that, that you like the marshals better than the than the than the magical bases. I think I agree with you. I think that like the the magical paths and in many cases the 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 mythic spells are not as cool or as good as the martial stuff. But I think that's also fine. Right. I, I like think, I think I think in like some total you you give everybody the same you give everybody what in, in name is the same toys, but it works to uh, bring down the power right. differential. But like here's the between thing: the uh, I, the martials. It's and not even a power thing, really. It's just the fact that like. It lets marshals do insane bullshit that's, like, spell-like. And I think for, like, you know, okay, spoilers. I'm someone who tends to get really into, like, wuja and that sort of thing where your fighters are, you know, really skilled in their own sphere. And I think that's really cool. And honestly, like, I that's why I like Mythic more so than the actual mechanical benefits, per se. It's just, like, it codifies a system for people to do, like crazy nonsense and i think that's great interestingly though uh and 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 kind of pivoting i don't think that mythic is necessarily uh, i think i think it's an okay answer to that kind of thing Um, i don't think like the core game is i I don't think the core game is lacking for that right i'm just saying like as far as giving you know codifying some sort of concept yeah uh, honestly i i think the more i play pathfinder the more i think that like like you know, martial characters as martial wizards is is the better way to go in like a book of nine swords type way or in an exalted type way, where like instead instead of being like people that are better at doing instead of being like numeric yeah instead of being number crunching machines and some people like that to be fair but like I definitely think mythic or like the mythic type abilities are a good response to that because it's like. It gives your martial character cool shit to do that's not just, like, I'm good, better at hitting things, or better at skills, or, you know. I, I, yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, 
Uh, and I think that Mythic gives pretty good, uh, I think that Mythic gives pretty good options for that. I also like the Book of Nine Swords, you know, having played a, uh, an effective Pathfinder yeah. game with Book of the Nine Swords, you know, integrated. I think it's super cool that, you know, Kambe is, is a warlord, but he specializes in kind of this super awesome jujitsu that allows to him throw to, pillars you know, at dudes. yeah, to ballista throw the head of a stone giant into the head of another stone giant, right? Like, that stuff is fundamentally, you know, freaking awesome. Um, and, uh, I don't know, I, you know, I think that Pathfinder, um, see, I actually think that low-level Marshall feels really good. Um, I, think I agree. Solid. And I don't like, uh... I don't like Pathfinder when it gets too ridiculous, right? I think there's kind of a power level that's somewhere between, right, you know. Right. I, I think I there's know, like... Uh, Game of Thrones, low fantasy, and you're, you know, you're Superman from Man of Steel, right? I think... Like demolishing yeah. with a single punch, right? Like, I you think, know, you gotta kind of find I a middle ground. I think Kenshin puts, like, a pretty good... Um... Rooney Kenshin Full Metal Alchemist put a really good idea of, like, what a really adept martial character can do. And those might be a little bit of bad examples, but, like, basically it's, like, badass normals but taken to the nth degree, I think is cool. Like, sure. and I think, honestly, like, once players breach level 10, that's when it just any concept of reality starts to fall apart, and that's okay. Well, so, you know, you know I think that uh, in a world with, uh, magic, you can actually be consistent about this kind of thing. My, you know, I think my go-to kind of my my calibration is to something akin to you know World of Warcraft or whatever, where you know who you know Todrick yeah. is a warrior and he go he can go and he can face down Archimon, but because he has you know because he has the healing magic and the protective magic of all of his buddies and you know he's wearing enchanted armor with enchanted weapons he can take on that kind of uh that kind of super super power level and you know look i'm the first guy i'm also the first guy to kind of my favorite thing about warriors in world of warcraft like fundamentally what it comes down to from like a mindset position is that you know where death knights have unholy magic paladins have holy magic shamans have the elements right you know uh you know uh, mages and warlocks that you know arcane egg you know everybody has all of this stuff but at the end of the day a warrior is a guy who just shows up and he doesn't like you know and he just doesn't give the fuck right he his will to fight right is equal to all of the power that the light grants upon this paladin um which is just you know th th it's that kind of thing that gives me giant you know boners for for uh <laughs> for, for warriors right and i think that same kind of thing is reflected in pathfinder in a lot of ways um sometimes you know sometimes it's reflected in very uh straightforward ways right you know feats and 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 items and stuff like that but you know i think there's a difference you know in a, a cavalier who's taken die hard um and a Jeez, I don't have a good. I don't have a good counter. A monk that has like I don't know two. Yeah, a monk that has like like right, or some yeah, shit yeah, that yeah. actually works because that doesn't work in uh, Unchained sure. anymore. But whatever. So that's kind of I don't know. That's kind of where I come down on it in a lot of ways. All right, that's fair. Um, yeah, so I think introducing mythic, especially to a group where like I don't. I think I'd mentioned it a few times. 
You, you at least mentioned it to me and kind of like hinted that it might happen. Yeah, it was one of those things where it was like, it, it's a plot point later, but there's a reason why it's included, you know? So that's fine. And then, um, yeah. Ironically, uh, uh, it did actually come out of no Well, not out of nowhere. Um, like, it made sense, obviously, but I wasn't expecting Mythic to uh, yeah. to happen. Um, it gets, it, it, we get a little bit more into it later, but the point, the point that I'm trying to make is more or less that, like, I think Mythic works really well when it's a surprise. I think it's okay if it's assumed to be there from the beginning, but I like it as, like, a, oh, this is something the players are discovering or something they're engaging with that they weren't prepared to do. Yeah. But, um... So, we could continue on that point, or we could talk a little bit more about the uh, individual advancement stuff. I, I think there's a lot more to be explored about Mythic, so I, th- I think I think we're gonna keep going down. Got it. Down. Okay. I, th- I, think we sh- I think we should really feel that out. Like, we, we, we've kind of talked in, in generalizations about what might be good and what's what's not so good about, um, kind of like the, the generalized past, but I kind of want to dig into what, what you guys kind of feel about, like, so, some of the more specific aspects of it. Like, um... We haven't really used Mythic Surge at all. Um, granted, we've only had one encounter in Rise of the Rune Lords um, to use Mythic Surge, but I find that that's one of the more used abilities that my really? players use in Wrath of the Righteous. Because um, it's one of those things where, like, I don't remember what the exact ruling is, but I the way I've been r- running it is like you you can um like I don't I don't remember what it's supposed to be. The, the way I run it is that you can uh, declare you're using it and roll it after you know the outcome. So it's kind of very much like that kind of like saving grace moment is like, oh, can, can I like, you know, grit my teeth and really force this through if, 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 if you know, I, I bring upon this mythic energy inside me to, to get that little bit of extra out of it. Um, and it can lead to some very tense, like, you know, those, those kind of like moments where everybody's like standing over the die and being like, is it going to happen? Are we going to get it? Ah! Um, and so I think that that's actually a, like what appears to be a kind of like very trivial mechanic is actually can actually be super suspenseful if it's set up right. Um, and, and what, what do you guys think of Surge? Um, just to the text I'm reading on Surge says that is a basic ability that each mythic character receives. It allows her to roll a die and add the result. To it's it's actual roll, points influencing uh, the outcome after the result. The results are revealed. It's it's um, it's ever on action points. So um, I have mixed feelings about Surge. Um, to a certain extent, I don't like it because uh, it feels weak compared to the other uses of Mythic uh, in a lot of ways. It feels, um, I don't know, you know, like kind of kind of from my perspective, I want to be using my Mythic power strategically, right? I want to be using my Mythic power to, um, uh, to use my path abilities or to use my Mythic feats uh, because that is like a, a more tactical thing than to kind of influence the luck of this role or that role uh, kind of inherently. Um but I do agree, like, that's, that's how I feel about it, right? That's my, my perception of it. Um, but my, like, analytical view of it is it does, is it is actually good. It's pretty good. It's probably a better use of mythic power in a lot of ways um, than, than those strategic or tactical feats because it is so, it is so omni-usable. Um, so, I, I, you know, I don't really know how to uh, necessarily... Uh, uh, broach the two of those. 
Yeah, so, uh, Mark, did you have any thoughts? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I think, Mythic, you know, honestly, it's like, I think it's nice to have as, like, a throwaway option, but it's never going to beat another standard action, I think. Just because, like, I guess, like, it, at a certain point where it's, like, save or die or save or suck, it might be good, but I don't know. Like, I think that's just never going to trump, like, an extra standard action once that option becomes well, available. Well, stand, extra standard action is, isn't a normal usage. That, that's a U usage, I think. Like, it's it's only extra attacks that you can that you can spend it on. Oh, okay. Um, well, anyway, I, I just think, like, adding dice to stuff is generally good. I mean, like, I played a swashbuckler investigator. I'm, I'm, I, li- I'm you know, I like to, it in yeah. the context of uh, swashbuckler investigator. Um, I just think, like, giving it to everyone's fine. It's just basically action points from Eberron. I, I'm kind of neutral. I think it's cool. Okay. I don't see, think it's see, see, I don't think it's anything splashy, you know, like it's not a, it doesn't see, I think I'd normally agree with you guys like playing the investigator is kind of like I roll my inspiration when I really want to guarantee something um but I think the fact that you can you can decide to use it after the fact is kind of what gives it that 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 tension and kind of gives it the satisfaction of turning a a, a fail into a success. Um and and hopefully we'll see a little bit of that in Rise of the Rune Lords just because um you know uh, like I said, we haven't had a lot of opportunity to kind of hit that point yet, but like, yeah. there are some, there are some crucial moments where, like, um, you know, that extra that extra d six can be the difference between like you know like like you said a save or suck or not, or a uh, or a you know or a, an attack hitting or missing, and you know in, in in the specific situations I've been talking about, there have been times where it's like you know if you get this hit, like you know he's looking really weak and that hit will probably kill him, which will keep him from, like, stabbing your friend through the chest and knocking him down. So, like, th- th- that kind of um, stress and-, and release is, I think, um, kind of uh, an, underser- an underseen aspect of the system um, by just kind of, like, that little line of you can use it after the results are revealed, um, which-, which I personally think is really cool. You know, interestingly enough, um, I think that... Uh... I, I do like that. One of the things that I, I don't quite regret this actually, but I think I didn't really anticipate about my action point system where it's not a re-roll, it's just an auto-pass, auto-fail, is that you do lose the tension of the moment. Um, but to me, see, to me, the using an action point to re-roll and then failing it on the backside sucks. Like, that really sucks, and I hate that. I agree. I um, really agree with that point. And so, and so this, and so this is why, from my perspective, I was like, okay, well, let's cut the amount of action points that people get in, you know, in half, or, uh, or you know, by a third, or by you know, however, whatever the number is, or whatever. But make action points themselves more powerful, so that when you use an action point, it's a big deal, right? It, uh, it definitely does what you do, but like this is, you know, this is kind of a finite resource. Um, we haven't really had a good meta game, I think, for action points in general. People tend to save them as don't die buttons rather than allow me to be awesome buttons but that's just kind of you know that is what it is i, I um, actually think that's what's good about mythic powers but like mark you've, you've toned it back a little bit but but even then there's still a bunch of them it's like my my characters are third tier at this point that's um what that's that's nine uses of mythic power per day um and so there's a kind of freedom to use them um, and so you can you can I think it's you can two use them right enough now. That you, like you guys are only a tier two, but but yeah right, right, right. no 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 my, my characters oh in Wrath of the okay 
Yeah, because like on your system, it's three plus half tier. In the base, it's three plus double tier. So that's nine uses for uh, for for Wrath of the Righteous, and it lets my players like they don't hoard them. In fact, they use them pretty pretty liberally to to do to to activate their abilities. Um, and so it makes so it makes it so that like you know by the end of the day they have most of them most of them used up. Um, but it's it still kind of holds like. Like, I think those kind of, like, chips are down, like, I need to spend this mythic power to kind of, like, unfuck the fail um, moments happened towards the end of the day when when that pool is getting kind of low in the first place. And so I, I think it works from that perspective. Well, I, I mean, I also think that it, it is about a bit about the context of the campaign. Um, sure. Something that I'm a little bit more aware of uh, in Hell's Rebels is that, you know, the per-daily usage of your guys' abilities is quite... Uh, high because there's a lot of day turnover you know really at the end of the day big dungeon crawls isn't something that we're going to do or that i'm you know i've been very vocal about this on the podcast in uh, in the past but i have no indi- you know i have no inclination to kind of run the um, you know like the iron gods version of things where uh we kind of um you know we we do a p- you know a chunk of a dungeon each each week until it's kind of done um, or whatever it is, that's just, I don't know, that's just not, that's not something that appeals to me personally, um, uh, from like a, like a narrative pacing perspective. Uh, but what that does is that means that, you know, whatever fight happens, first of all, it's probably the only fight that happens. Um, and secondly, whatever fight that happens, it's going to be, um, one where you can blow all the, you know, you can blow all of your challenges on minor enemies, right? Where you can cast nothing but your highest level spells uh, because you're limited more by the action economy than you are by your kind of per day uh, uses uh, along along those lines. And I think that that interaction um, is something where Mythic – I think Mythic would be absolutely broken in a game like mine because yeah, yeah as soon as you meet you know as soon as you hit mythic third tier or whatever you always are using mythic every round because you know there's only going to be six rounds for you know in the in the combat total right and if you have nine mythic power you're gonna have to burn out all of that you know all of that stuff before uh before kind of moving on does that make sense yeah ab- absolutely I, I definitely agree with that and R- wrath of the righteous is kind of like very much a there are things happening now that you have to deal with. And so there's more opportunity to get players to burn out their resources um, than like in, in your hell's rebels. But like, right. I, I also, and I, I def- also, by the way, think that uh, I also, by the way, think that um, Mark's game, right. R- R- Rise of the rune Lords also follows, you know, it's in the, it's in the same time slot. Effectively. Um, we spend about as much time in it doing combat. Right. So we do have to be kind of aware of this stuff. And pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, the other the other thing I mentioned about that is that, like, I think Mythic also gives a particular feel to a game. And I think that Hell's Rebels definitely wants to be a little bit... Drier, more scrappy. Almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, mean... Also, even, even a little bit more scrappy and low level. Yeah, um, I kind of get that. Um, and, and that, like, Mythic, while cool, is, like, you know... The thing that makes intrigue kind of uh, interesting in a lot of ways is the fact that it's kind of like it, 
is that there's a little bit of normalcy to it. Like even like even something like Dresden, which is which is one of my favorite kind of wizard intrigue series, is like everything's a little bit more everything a, a little bit more more toned down um than kind of like you, you know your, your your high action action shot right like everything's used kind of sparingly and i think mythic just gives you a little bit too much of uh uh, uh a little bit too much of of, of uh over the topness for that kind of game or the kind of game that hell's rebels is yeah, I definitely think that that's the case. Um, you guys haven't really run into this thing, like, into this uh, phenomenon. Um, but it is something that I am paying attention to. For instance, um, you know, a, an intrigue game like this can... I've kind of mentioned this before. An intrigue game like this can kind of get ruined and taken apart um, by compulsion effects, by, like, charms and shit like that. Um, there's actually a lot of that stuff built into uh the the uh the game as written um that i forcibly removed because i really think it's bad i think it really removes kind of a lot of the moving uh like the moving parts and the moving pieces to everything um you know this isn't a game where gondor can just cast you know suggestion or charm person or even dominate person on kenrov right he has to spend 12 hours sifting through kenrov's memories you know uh, doing whatever it is that he did specifically in order to change how Ken Rob thought, and that and it's and to me and to me, I think it's very important that it be on that level um, when it comes to uh, the, when, when it when it when it comes to this kind of intrigue stuff. Huh. Yeah, I, I think I definitely agree with that. I'm I'm curious as to how like the 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 base. Like, get, 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 without spoiling anything, can can you kind of say what Paizo just thought that you should do with it? Like, so uh, you know, so for instance, I this is an encounter I entirely removed from the from the game, um, so you don't don't worry, I'm not spoiling anything. Um, there's uh, there you know, there's a part in the written book where you guys rescue some aquatic elves that live nearby, and then you head to the aquatic elf village or whatever um and uh recruit them to uh to the cause and it turns out that they're being mind controlled by an aboleth in in the ocean or like or rather the leader of the the leader of these elves is being mind controlled by an aboleth out out in the ocean he's been dominated by them um and Wait, so this is in hell's whole, rebels uh yeah this, is this sounds rebels. like a um, huge aside it uh it it is uh it is book three stuff. Uh, yeah. Okay. The huge where you know the asides are uh, built. You know, because book three is kind of all about consolidating the greater you know the countryside together. Um, anyway, um, so you have to go and but like wh the whole point of that is figuring out that this guy is dominated and then effectively dispelling the domination uh, effect on him. Which I think is garbage. I think that, you know, it, 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 it is an interesting thing to hear someone say, right, 
I am the leader of this a group of aquatic elves, and I don't want to pick a fight with Barzillai Thrun because, you know, his people are already predisposed to hating me, and I don't need to give them, uh, you know, like, I don't need to give them a reason to come at... That's, that's an argument that someone's making, right? That's an ideology that you can contend with and that you can, you know, you can you can debate that person right but when the whole point is they're dominated and they literally won't react to any argument that you make whatsoever it just that that to me is uninteresting that's not intrigue right um and so that's why i've removed uh i mean among other things i mostly i mostly removed that aquatic elf encounter for space um but you know that's that's one of the reasons that i removed this kind of stuff from the game in general it makes a lot of sense to me, at least. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um. Yeah. So, uh, was there? <laughs> I, know I, I kind of honed in very specifically on um on Mystic Surge, but did, did you guys have have anything that you thought like was particularly cool? You wanted to highlight out of any of the paths or any of the uh, particular uh, abilities? Like, I think that like kind of a lot of the ideas. That you kind of had in the uh, in the warlord buddy, you're kind of present in that martial path. Yeah, path I had never, I had never seen the martial path before. Never in my life. Uh, nobody told me, you know, like, uh, um, and I just hadn't read. Uh, I hadn't read up that much on mythic. I had read the baseline of mythic and kind of decided, listen, this isn't for me uh, and my game, kind of thing, and moved on. Um, but now that uh, uh, I've kind of thrust greatness upon you. No, 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 but I mean, now that, now that uh, I, I I have a reason to dig into the fine, you know, I, I didn't comb through Mythic with a fine-toothed comb to to say, you know what, I'm not going to do Mythic because this one Mythic feat doesn't fit for Hell's Rebels. I just kind of read an overview of what Mythic was and how the mechanics worked, and I said, I can do this in a way that's better for the campaign, um, which is obviously why I created these bonus feats for people. Um, um and and so and so that is you know uh, that's why I had never seen the marshal before. Uh, I like I like the marshal a lot actually. I like the marshal and I like the guardian specifically. Um, one of the things that I think Pathfinder really fails at, and one of the things I wish that it was better at, was making tanking fun and interesting. Um, one of the eh, things I like available. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like one of the things I liked a lot about Fourth Edition, um, I like I like Fourth Edition a lot more than other people do. But one of the things I like about Fourth Edition is that tanks in Fourth Edition um, have a very clear role and can do a lot of cool stuff. Um, I think that isn't just being a surrogate damage dealer. Uh, and I like that the Guardian uh, Mythic Path is the Pathfinder kind of answer to uh, you know how do you make tanking interesting. Do you think it succeeds at it? I'm not in a position. Yeah, I'm not in a position to really answer that. Right? I expect. I guess. um, I expect that it succeeds at it, and I'd be pretty uh, surprised if I don't, uh, or you know, if I get bent out of shape about you know this, that, or the other thing. Um, It's tough because Kenzo is also like the epitome of this. In a lot of ways, I want him to be a. uh, in In a lot of ways, I want him to be a tank when I'm taking stuff like guard and everything like that. Um, but in other ways, I can't help but realize that it is basically more effective for me to just sit there and full attack people. Like, yeah, I yeah, get, th- I, I, I feel, feel that. that. I think like, I don't know, like I think tanking in tabletops is kind of weird anyway. Right. Like 
in like MMOs it makes sense in you know in Overwatch it makes sense but like in tabletops it's kind of weird like you have to be a guy that draws people's attention away from your other guys but like anyone who's like a high level character like by raw is going to be like that person's not wearing armor that person's a spellcaster they're the most dangerous fuck these guys in armor well, yeah. so this is why I think um, this is why I think that it was so kind of smart for the way Fourth Edition did it with their marking system, right? All of the different tanks had a different way that they could mark specific okay. targets, and then when targets did effectively, you know, when, when I'm when I'm a wizard and I and I'm being faced down by this fighter, right, tanking, uh, I look at you know the enemy cleric right and i cast an attack on him now all of a sudden i i am in danger because breaking when when you when you're marked in fourth edition if you attack anybody except for the person who marked you first of all you get um uh, a penalty on the attack secondly it triggers a bunch of different things uh for instance the sword mage which is the arcane tank um he teleports right on top of you um I think, uh, uh, you know, wardens get attacks of opportunities, right? Um, uh, there, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of different stuff uh, that, that goes on for how marking works in that game. And I think that, and I think that, that is kind of the platonic ideal uh, to how this stuff wants to go. Um, that plus, I also think, kind of positioning and really playing the board from a tactical perspective uh, is, is, you know... I the, probably the only person it's more important to do that on is like melee rogues. Yeah, okay, I get that. But I also, you know, I don't Pathfinder doesn't really support a system like marking, right? Um, I don't know. It well, doesn't... it does have marks in it like challenge is a mark, but it's all like PC centered. It's not like you penalize the other person. Pathfinder seems generally pretty good about not making people suck without their consent kind of thing without like having to roll a save or whatever yeah yep yeah i, I yeah yep. I, I uh, I yeah i kind of agree with all that i would hope you agree with it you brought it up yep uh, <laughs> yeah uh, so uh so you know moving uh moving right along from uh from mythic uh we also have other versions of this kind of progression stuff in our other games right we oh, i mean first of all it's also in rune lords because we hypothetically you know we also have artifacts to kind of discover and dig into um and then in my game we have uh the newly introduced line of bonus feats uh, that people can kind of track down and uh, and scrounge up. Uh, I don't know. What are your what are your like general thoughts on this uh, on these on these systems? So I think I think it's a really cool opportunity to let players like you kind of when you see like a player's going for a certain thing, and like maybe there's not something in the rules to directly support exactly what they want to do with it. Um, it's a great way to kind of let them embrace that 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 sort of i, I th- those ideals um without having to like without having to essentially open the floodgates right like i think one of the the, the great advantages of it is that you know th- by by its nature these personalized progression things are only available to the the player that 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 it applies to right, right. maybe this would be really broken on another character but that's not available to them for you know no other, for like, plot reasons, no, but really, but yeah, also for plot mechanical. reasons, right? But like it, it, it's plot reasons, so it's not like there's like room to argue or anything, right? It, it's like you know, 
and I, I think I think in general, especially among our group, um, that like plot reasons feel a lot better than like arbitrary rule reasons, um, in, in terms of like restricting r- restricting power or whatnot. Um, and I I know I, I, I think it's also really cool to, to like kind of have something that's your own, something that makes that makes you special, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely feel that. That's a little bit of what, how I prov- how I approached bonus feats. Um, one of my heuristics for kind of uh, interfacing with how I wanted to do bonus feats was like, if I was playing this character, what kind of thing would I want to play? Right. Um, you know, I would love to play a blood rager that you know that that gets these uh you know that gets these super badass claws or whatever uh and doesn't wear you know it doesn't wear armor it is just shirtless for like the rest of you know uh and gets gets ac you know keyed off of his con score all like all that stuff right that stuff is very very appealing to me um in the same way uh you know i i would love to play a vigilante where i get effectively a crazy magic grappling hook right and so a lot of the a, a lot of the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. behind this stuff is I think this is cool, and I would really want to play this, uh, which is why, uh, which is why I added it. Yeah, I thought I thought it's it was funny. Cool. It, like I, I like uh, it. It's yeah, it's funny. I've been thinking about these for a long time, uh, and I've been working through a lot of versions of this. I teased some of this last night in our group chat, um, where I was talking about how uh, you know one of the earlier iterations of Maragrug's bonus feat allowed him to uh, every time he hit with a claw attack, he cha- he gained like a charge, and that he could burn these charges on free casts of inflict wounds on people uh, as part of his claw attacks, right? You know, so he hits you with this claw attack, and then he also hits you with like inflict serious wound or or whatever. Um, and I really like that mechanic and everything like that, uh, but I also realize that it's like super fucking broken. Um, and so, you know, I think I think you know when you open up to uh, when you open up the universe to the possibilities of what what can I do to simultaneously make a cool mechanic that people are down for, right? And uh, you know, kind of pair that with cool, uh, you know, kind of like story or like cool RP behind it. Um, I think that's that you know that's 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 a, a big part of what these things should look like. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. I also really like the kind of um, the mechanic you used for uh, for my or for for Beauregard, which is essentially shore up a very obvious weakness in a thing that ne- that happens a lot of the time, and so needs to. Um, I kind of, kind of. I actually kind of don't like that. Like I think. I think it's better to emphasize strengths than it is to shore up weaknesses, because I think having clear weaknesses on a given character tends to be a good thing. That said, when it's like... So, the, the goal, you know... Uh, so, I think there's a difference between a weakness and, like, you know, Beauregard very intentionally is, is shit at combat, and that's the situation I knew that I was going to be in going into going into Hell's Rebels, and I was, I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, I didn't expect Buddy to, to, to do this, but I think kind of like when a system's as fundamental as it is in yeah i mean i so so specifically what what i want to address is um weaknesses can create unengaging gameplay right if i'm doing something that i am 
week at, it's very natural for me to fall into the background, not pay attention, right? Not be engaged with what's going on. And that to me is the danger of what's, you know, of, of Beauregard. Um, I wasn't necessarily looking to quote unquote buff Beauregard, right? I think if you actually look at the way his mechanic works, it's very power neutral from a numbers perspective, right? Yes. It's actually less than that. It's actually power. It is detrimental for Beauregard to be using his, um, it's detrimental for him to be using those abilities every single turn because if you do that in a lot, you know, if you do that without the right kind of tactical care, you're depriving people of full attacks where they are just naturally going to get better, uh, better results than with your kind of one-time studied strike attacks. And so, uh, and so, to me, that w- that was the key. What can I do to make Beauregard's combat interesting, right? And when he engages with the game tactically, reward him so that it's a net positive overall without without just being a flat buff to, you know, to his character. Right, okay, I get that. I, I just, like, I mean, we've been in a similar situation with combat, uh, right? Where it was, like, you just put all your gold into RP, which is fine, but, like, that it just becomes, like, a mechanical disadvantage, and I think that sort of scenario is not great. So I, I do think personal progression stuff like that is a good way to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, uh, I definitely think that that's kind of the right uh, perspective to have. You know, for instance, you know, Marigrug, You know, I think Marigrug is a little bit below, uh, is a little bit kind of below the party average in terms of power. So I didn't really mind giving him a ton really? of power uh, in that uh, in that first bonus. Okay, so specifically, I think he's actually okay now, but I think he scales. At, he's going to scale ridiculously poor, right? Um, because of how the, because of how his claws work, because of how natural attacks oh, and all that stuff. Okay. I think I think he when, once he gets to level twelve, he's going to feel absolutely garbage um which is why i wanted to uh which is why i i wanted to give him benefits that are very clearly scaling right first he has this ac buff that's keyed to his constitution so as he gets better and better kind of constitution stuff right all of a sudden casting bears endurance on uh on uh marigrug gets a lot of mileage out of it right um, and at the same time, uh, you know, he also has the brawler progression on the claws damage so that, you know, he scales up. So, uh, on, from the opposite perspective, um, you know, I think, uh, I, I, the, um, I think, I think Rakax is probably the most optimized out of all of our, uh, out of all of our characters. Uh, not that I really think he's like so far into broken territory. And so his bonus feats are much more in the kind of Beauregard vein, where it's about accentuating different aspects of his kit and different ways for him to play um, based on, you know, based on kind of the context of his story and his character, right? So I, you know, I very specifically didn't give, you know, the Marigrug gets a flat plus two to his strength as a part of the Mark of Cyrexis, right? That, there's no way in hell I would ever give that to Rakox. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's that makes sense. Yeah, I I do think, though, you should be careful, buddy, because, um, like, uh, like if, if you remember Iron Gods and, and Atticus, once, but once the Blood Rager of that kind of form of, like, transforms when the Blood Rage hits, like, the right kind of mark in this, it's level 16, or if, you know, you find that that cloak again type of deal, um, that then that's when you get into sort of the weird territory where Atticus was for, like, the, the last few parts of Iron Gods, which is always doing something stupid, um, which is fine, but, like, it, you might find that the power, like, the scaling, 
like I feel like Blood Raiders have this weird thing where, especially the transforming ones, where like when they hit the, the like the level sixteen breakpoint, whether that's at level sixteen or at level four with like some sort of buff to it, things kind of like they scale. They they make a huge jump in power. Um, yeah, that's kind of hard to anticipate, or or maybe not hard to anticipate, like just like um hard to 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 foresee if you ha- if you haven't played it, if that makes sense. True. Um. Um, but that's an individualized concern. Yeah, I, I just think scaling in Pathfinder is kind of strange anyway. I think I'd agree with that. So, I think, um, I don't know, like, to go back to, like, my person, like, the artifacts we were using in my, let's talk about me for a second, but, like, <laughs> how did you guys, uh, how, how are you guys liking the implementation of that? It's a little bit less organized than um, buddies, I think, in the sense that, like some of the objectives are a little less clear. But that's something I'm personally okay with. I think uh, you know, I, in a in a in a little bit, I wanted to react against that, where um, you know, I, I you know, I I don't mind, I don't mind, extremely obviously telegraphing that uh, you know. Your next bonus feat triggers when Kaylandrio comes back to the city and you can sit down and interview her, right? That doesn't – it doesn't bug me at all. Um, I think it – you know, it gives you something to look forward to. It's a – you know, it's like – I mean, it's it's not really foreshadowing, but it's kind of foreshadowing in the sense that, you know, we get to kind of call back to it later kind of thing, right? Where when we – when I say, you know – in order to power up the mark of Cyrexis, you need to kill strong enemies from the plane of shadow, right? You know, like Ooh, that kind I of stuff. That kind of stuff. Uh, that that doesn't that doesn't bug me. I like that players are gonna be on the lookout for this kind of thing. Uh, hopefully I think it will uh, it will uh, uh, get um, I don't know, ho- hopefully it will it will have people thinking on that next uh, thinking on that level and kind of doing that Nick thing where, you know, he's always looking for someone to craft his time gem, right? I'm always looking to find... That was great. Like, you know, I, I really liked uh, the in retrospect. I thought that was really funny. Because, like, it just... I, you know, me yeah. too, right? Um, I, I'm also reacting a bit to myself. Uh, in, uh, in, in Kingmaker, I had another set of bonus feats that I was very low-key about that we never really got into implementing. Um, spoiler alert, the, uh, what it was for Warren's, um, I can't remember his character name off the top of my head, um, but what it was for Warren's is that uh, he was going to amputate his arm and get a magical golem arm on top of it, which I thought was the coolest thing. Uh, but I did it a little bit in the same way, not not specifically where I hid that information behind the gating of these journals uh, and these linguistic checks that people had to make. Um, and just, you know, I forgot about it. They forgot about it. Everybody forgot about it. And, uh, and then the game fell apart due to scheduling stuff. And so... I, I, I was very conscious about that kind of thing where I was like, I definitely think being, um, you know, I definitely think being uh, uh, mysterious to a certain extent is good storytelling. Uh, but I also think that if you're if you're too low key about it, you people just forget, which is what I was afraid of. Yeah. yeah so 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 to, to your stuff, Mark, like I really like the effects. I think that like the care that's gone into designing each artifact is really cool. Did you all, guys also um, like the shape of like the trees to for lack of a better term i actually think i developed this before like uh the legion artifact talent trees were like revealed to, to be a thing but i'm not 100 percent sure 
but like I, I thought about each character and how I wanted their like tree to look relative to um, the other ones. Uh, Jimmy ended up getting a little bit of a different artifact than the one he uh, is like the one that I had planned for him. But yeah, like what do you think about that kind of stuff? So I like I said, I, I think the powers are well thought out. I think that tree system is cool and well thought out. Um, and not not that I don't think you well thought like anything is not well thought out. I yeah, just, yeah, I'm yeah. not as big a fan of like the activation of like the active objection objectives being kind of like do X of Y. Right. Um, sure. I I think I personally prefer Buddy's style of like when you know, X big happens. event kind of happens. Yeah. yeah. Um. Like effectively, you know, like like for for Wooden Wanderer's latest latest piece, it was you know sacrifice X levels of spells to the Margrave. Um. Which to be fair, I think... I think that was, like, the Margrave stuff was supposed to take longer. I'm just kind of ready to keep moving Rune Lords, for... Rune Lords forward. Sure, but, but, sure, but just but as, I do, just, get, just I do as get your a, point, yeah. Just as a point of comparison, I don't even remember what, I don't even remember what Kenzo's is. Yeah, I mean, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> like, and, like, you know, I think that, you know, effectively that, that could have been, or that, that could have been handled as kind of like, um you know, you know what when wooden wanderer goes and communes in the margrave which is kind of effectively what happened anyway it was just like there was this kind of like weird paperwork hand wave of oh we wait four days and he casts a thousand spells um that's like i i like but i think the the other kind of side of that is i think actually the 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 scope um one where everybody where you have to get crits on different weapons i think that's actually a lot better um and i think that 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 feels less less kind of grindy if that makes sense um i'm also kind of thinking back to um back to the your to rune lords one with the ties that bind which is another example of this um one i really like the collaborative aspect of those but i thought that kind of um you know the the effects were cool right like you get you get these different things that you can do that's that are kind of teamwork based with a kind of uh, you know, the, the, the kind of um, objectives for them, which were, like, um, various essentially things that were, like, numbers of things, I think are ultimately less compelling and kind of have this weird, this weird side questy vibe where it's, like, like when I say side quest, I mean... No, kind no, of I like, totally get what you mean. It's like, well, I guess we should take a week off and go, go hunt uh, vermins so I can get my 30 vermins hunted. Um... And I, I think the issue with that is that, um, and kind of comparing this to like a video game MMO, um, you kind of don't want like it, you don't want things to fall off of the story in 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 D anD D, and so like it feels weird because it's, it's yeah it's, it either has has to have happened naturally anyway, or okay or, you know, yeah or, I know. mean I think that's definitely fair. Um. I don't know. I think it's also a hard thing to do because I think there is also a a cool way to kind of like you know make players go out of their 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 way to incentivize certain things. But that's that's also I don't know. I, I think it's it's a, a a hard thing to balance and design. And I don't fault you for it. I just I in this particular instance, I I prefer the way Buddy has has done it. Uh, you know, I I feel uh, similarly ish. Um. I, I, you know, I think sometimes it's good to encourage that kind of side questiness, um, 
to have people be on the lookout for those kinds of things. But I don't necessarily think that this is the greatest place for it overall. Um, I, In a weird way, I kind of think that side quests, just like in a more macro sense, um, I kind of think that side quests are probably a better team thing than they are an individual thing, uh, just from the perspective of like, I don't know that it feels great as an individual player to derail you know, whatever, so we can go fill out my side quest in the same way. So, for instance, let's say, you know, Wooden Wanderer's Margrave thing what didn't give him the next version of his artifact, right? His artifact just procced upon walking into the Margrave. But, um, you know, we find out that if he does this thing for the Margrave, we power up you know, the defenses of the town, right? Something like that, I think, is kind of a little bit more, uh, uh, is, is a little bit more in... Yeah, uh, no. Sync, I totally... I guess, with how Pathfinder Yeah, works. I totally get that. Just, you know, the stuff with the Margrave is, like, there's basically, like, a lot of cut content there that was just sort of like, eh. So... Yeah, I mean, okay, like, I, I get... In, in, in contrast, con- in by context, the way, I... In context of, like, the individual progressions, I totally think that there's merit to these ideas. I just sort of uh, implemented it the way I did for uh, sake of ease of implementation. I mean, sh- in, in, in contrast, sure, by the way, right. I, think that, uh, I think that my, uh, you know, figure out a way to, right, find a middle ground was a pretty good version of that, right? Because I very clearly, you know, I went out of yeah. my way to try and... To try and find right, I, I think that I think that there's good there. Maybe we're harping too much on the Margrave stuff. Uh, the other half of this is that you know, uh, besides I guess the Margrave, because we've literally just been talking about it. I don't know that I could tell you offhand. I don't know what Nick's objective is. I don't. Uh, I guess. I guess. Are we still doing you know unique crits for the uh, for the lens? Yeah. Uh, you know, I I have You know, like I. I am not incentivized uh, as much to kind of pay attention to the side quests of, of other people, of kind of yeah, of the other people. So I don't have a good uh, I don't have a good sense of how they are uh, progressing. Yeah, that's fair. I think just I tried to make these more individual. Uh, the ties of the bind got complicated real quick, and so these yeah were, oh I yeah okay, yeah I have a lot of problems with the ties that bind. I actually don't think that uh, for a lot of reasons that was kind of proven in Iron Gods. I don't think that ties that bind are uh, are. Uh, uh, an easy system to get right, I, I suppose, is the best way to say that. I suppose, you know, maybe one day someone could show me a Ties That Bind system in a very specific kind of game that could make me uh, come around to it. But offhand, man, I don't, I don't, I don't like Ties That Bind uh, all that much. So I, I think what I like about the Ties That Bind system in, like, besides the, like, I think the individual, like, Taken as two separate systems, it kind of works, right? As an individual progression system, it works kind of like any of the other ones. It just has some teamwork-oriented aspects rather than, uh, like it, rather than an individual aspect. I think the the better part of it is it encourages a kind of like some good backstory pieces, right? Like the whole reason that, that like Atticus and Colbjorn are brothers are because that 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 was a thing to troll. that we kind of needed. Well, well yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yes, but like, or to to be less dumb about it, the reason that um, wow, I can't remember the name of your character. Um, I want Felix. Felix and uh, and and it's not Fortis. It's Severin. Uh, Severin. The reason that Felix and Severin 
I, I assume the reason you guys can I, just, can I just point out that I think it's actually very telling that we remember Fortis, who is in like eight sessions total uh, over over the name of uh, over because uh, <laughs> it was like yeah. it was what like Barry the Enoch, but like. I mean, hey, Fortis, for, you know, Fortis, Fortis wasn't a very great Fortis character, had but character. he did have character. He had character, right? he was just yeah. incredible. Well, like, everyone in, like, Nick's Skull and Shackles was just, like, the most, like, all of our tropes think, at their uh, most aggravating. I, I love all, I mean, it, you know, it's no secret, I guess, because I have very, very directly uh, pulled in, I guess, the... Um, uh, the skulls and shackles, oh my, yeah, uh, stuff it's just... into into Hell's Rebels. But I, I really, I thought all of those characters were great. That was that was I, a really fun it, game. I've talked about it's, that it's 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 like one of those things where it's like I think it was just like every, like my propensity for convolution, Mango's propensity to optimize in like around stupid things, Barry's like quasi uselessness. And then, and then, Buddy tried to like RP as hard as possible. We just took it to like, we became stereotypes. It was it was very and we we but the thing is like it wasn't like one of us doing it. It was like we all did it, and then that forced Nick to be the most Nick he could be, and eventually it all imploded on itself, (laughs) like a black (laughs) hole of hatred and and frustration. Yes, yes, because Mango and I were were hammering a bad joke, right? Like you know, completely unrelated to the game. I really, I really, really want to. I really want playable Arakoa. Incidentally, just not for anything related to Nick, but just because they're cool. No, it's it's no beyond beyond like the, the like. In 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 kind of his retrospect, Nick did say that um, part of the reason why like he never attempted to resurrect Skull and Shackles is that it was hard to kind of build it in in the right way. I think I think part of it too is like Skull and Shackles is a really cool idea for a camp. So when you see Skull and Shackles, you see open sea campaign, but I think it's actually a little bit more directed than that, and you kind of fall into this like trap of like you know you really kind of want to be pirates in Skull and Shackles, but people see it as like, oh, it's an open sea campaign. I'm going to do something that's not neat on the open seas. Yeah. See, like... honestly, you know, honestly, I think, okay, I think Skulls and Shackles is probably, I don't think you should really have much of a narrative to Skull and Shackles, if that makes sense. I think that narrative is very kind of emergent and self-generating in a lot of ways um, in the sense of like, I almost think the platonic idea of Skull and Shackles is just like, you know, we have this ship and we're sailing it around and we're trying to get money to upgrade it and be better pirates. And, you know, and we and, you, and there's you know, there's all the stuff that like makes for a narrative. You meet people, right? We get you get these contacts, right? You perform, you know, you you do these things, these missions, they have their own narrative or whatever. But I think a very directed narrative is kind of antithetical to what uh what skulls and shackles wants to be it is literally you know it is, I, I it I is very much you. a game about like freedom and being on the high seas and choosing between one of eight different ports do we want to go to um, i I, th- I think you're right i think that's hard to write an event like i don't i think that like there are like, that kind of idea is antithetical to there are adventure paths like that but they're not paizo paizo cannot kind of plan for that I mean, they did. They yeah, actually. Yeah. I mean, so they uh, actually did do a good job with that in Kingmaker, but it was like, I don't know. You kind of can pick out what's trivial versus what like you're actually supposed to be doing at any given time. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally get that. Um, the, uh, you know, I, one of the reasons I bring this up is because I ran a game that was very similar to this, uh, in fourth edition with some of my LA friends, uh, for, for a long time where it was, you know, they, ha they have an airship, right. And they are in this big, you know, empire and there are all of these different places and they can upgrade, you know, like they have contacts and they upgrade their contacts and they kind of stumble onto stories. And that game worked really well for First of all, because I was working on the graveyard shift and I had plenty of time to write a brand new adventure each week um, because I couldn't hang out with anybody because everyone was working while I was free. Um, and also because uh, um, and also because that's, uh, you know, that that's something that you can do in a completely homebrew campaign. It, it would be very tough to do that kind of thing in in a Hell's Rebels, I think. Um because yeah. you know, you you want it you you need to keep you know you need to keep a narrative focus uh in order to kind of keep everybody off on track and not getting lost necessarily in like the weeds. Getting lost in the my I guess my overarching point is getting lost in the weeds is the point uh of of like a high seas adventure campaign right. like that to me. Um getting lost in the weeds is ultimately uh, uh, kind of a diversion in most other games. Yeah, I, I think to kind of re restate my previous points is that I think Skull and Shackles kind of telegraphs very clearly to like telegraphs to the player that that's what it wants to be, that it wants to be be this open world campaign, but the nature of Adventure Paths prevents it from actually being that, and so it's very easy to get it off course, especially for some, like part of you know quite frank part of the thing of adventure paths is that they're meant to be i think run by people with a time budget that need to kind of lean on the source material um to various degrees obviously like obviously yep. you've you've rewritten a lot of hell's rebels but like i run my adventure paths pretty close to pretty close to the path because i have other things i don't have as much time as maybe i would like to kind of develop something more more generalized um and so and so i think that um kind of skull and shackles as as a concept is, is is maybe a misstep in in theory even if that makes sense i mean you know i think that perhaps one of the ways that uh you know like i i think skull and shackles would work very well in a college you know if if we were running a ga games in college yeah skulls right. and shackles would be would be pretty easy to to do because i also think free time i also think uh, it'd be a pretty good weekend game like i think that would be good if it's like you know, every Saturday morning we get together and we play until people have to go to work or they have to, you know, do whatever they do on Saturday. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I, 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 I think, or, 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 or like we, we, we rent a cabin in the woods for like a week and we all go there and that's all we do is play. Oh, dude. God, holy I'll run shit. That, game. that would be so fun. Dude. Are you kidding? Run, dude, holy I will shit. legitimately run that game. Like, let's just, let's, that okay, is, uh, off cast, let's plan that. That, that sounds awesome. 100% a thing that we should do. Dude, I'm so down. I have never thought, I have never thought to do that You know, before. I have that whole um, campaign written, right? Idea. Like, I have all of Skull and Shackles written. Yeah, tons because of sandboxes. Did, you, did you run that with other people? Yeah, I ran it with some college friends and then they realized that, like, it wasn't Fallout. So... <laughs> I, managed, I managed to trick yeah, them through I, six I, I, levels. I, it was pretty good. I definitely think that uh, I definitely think that you know it's not necessarily a campaign for everyone. Uh, you know, my girlfriend uh, Rachel is starting. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, is starting to GM, and she is uh, she is GM with GMing with complete newbies, and um, she is very smart about it from my perspective by avoiding 
the 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 temptation of saying, "Oh, I'm gonna go read all the you know I'm right. gonna read summaries of all the APs, nah. and then I'm gonna do you know I'm gonna do the AP." I that I think that is a bad. Yeah, choice. I agree. She's, she's running a module, right? You know, three you know three sessions or whatever to kind of feel things out with a group to uh, to 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 baby step. Yeah, right? I think that's great. Um, which is yeah, I think I think that's the right way to approach it, especially for her. Um, and plus, like, I think actually running an intro adventure with people gives people a chance to re-roll. Like, if they, yeah. Yes, yes. I, th- I think, I think that, prequel, in... I think prequel adventures are always very good. Yeah. Um, Sorry, what, what, did that happen in something? No, oh, in, in, no. In, in, in my, just like in general. Well, it happened in my, oh, did it? In, in my Rise of the Rune Lords, I, oh. that, that happened. Uh, we, like, um, for the people who had never played D&D before, I ran a pre, I ran a prequel adventure and it led to uh, it led to one of the characters changing from a from a magus to a war priest, um, which was the 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 uh, at some point I should do a retrospective on on my SF gaming group because there are some there there are some problems there and there is maybe some 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 lessons to be gleaned there, but uh, I I it, it did it worked in that way right like like there was a magus we had like two different maguses and like up. Uh, yeah, yeah, two magi and uh, and uh, a barbarian and like a, 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 a what's it? It's um, it's the 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 new rogue. Why can't it's a stalker? Stalker? Uh, slayer. 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 And a slayer. Um, and as you might notice, there's no combat healing or there, there's no any type of healing there. And like the in the first encounter, the uh, one of the one of the magi just gets like run down by three dogs and ripped to fucking shreds. It's like, huh? Maybe we need a little bit more balance of power in the, on, on on this team. And so so they they kind of reconfigured themselves a little bit. And I think that 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 ultimately worked out. Um, and and so yes, that that is in support of prequel adventures. Uh, well, that's cool. Uh, you're not gonna get any. You're not gonna get any argument from me. I ran a prequel adventure two months before my adventure actually started. <laughs> like uh, I think prequel I am I am a hearty fan of prequel adventures. Ooh, prequel skull and shackles. You guys become like like the rise of Barnabas Harrigan. Anyway, um yeah, so that's kind of my thoughts on the whole personal progression mythic thing and a bunch of other stuff scattered in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I I have a, I have a feeling that I will be talking uh, about my thoughts more and more as uh, other bonus feats are revealed. Right. For people, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that stuff on cast, but uh, also yeah. I think I think we'll talk about it more as as we uh, as we explore mythic on camera a little bit, where where you guys get uh, a little bit more exposure to it. Um, like I like I said, I've I've had a little bit more experience with it just because I've been running the campaign, but it'll be interesting yep. to see your guys' insights into it. Um, as as it kind of rears its head more in uh, in in uh, in Rise of the Rune Lords, but I think that's about all for now. Unless you guys had any other thoughts that you wanted to share. Nope. Thank you for tuning in, loyal listeners. Yeah, if you want to email us to tell us what you think of Mythic and or personal progression systems, you can email us at some at gmail dot com. You can uh, watch us play these games at twitch.tv slash games. You can follow us on Twitter. And on SoundCloud and on YouTube and all that stuff is in the description. You can like a bunch of stuff. You can leave comments for us. Um, please do. Um, we're all going – the three of us are actually going to be at Gen Con next week. Um, if you could recognize us by the sound of our luxurious voices, feel free to come up and say hi. Um, if um, I'll be wearing a Hawaiian shirt most likely. 
Buddy is is a giant man with a giant beard and long hair. Um, and so uh, I'm also pretty large myself. Um, and uh, I don't, Mark, do you have any distinguishing features you want to point out to listeners to say hi to you for? Eh, not really. I, I look okay. like most white people. <laughs> I was literally going to say, look for the most generic white it's person. It's true. Well, I, like, <laughs> I was actually uh, I was talking to someone the other day, and I, I realized I was wearing like a plaid button-down, like jeans and Converse, and I had a beard and glasses on. I'm like, oh my god, I've become the zeitgeist. Yeah, uh, you you can you can obviously tell uh, Mark, especially his whiteness, because he carries a jug of mayonnaise everywhere. Shut up! <laughs> All right, I'm out. <laughs> so so if you see if you see a, a cave a caveman next to a, a giant man in a Hawaiian shirt next to the whitest person you know, then that's probably us. <laughs> yeah, I think we've done a good job. I think we've done a good oh. job. <laughs> Anything you wanted to plug, Mark? Uh, no, I'm good. I oh. literally expected you not to answer because you had walked away. <laughs> so, right, no, uh, my mouth was too full of mayonnaise. I'm so <laughs> I'm so full, I can't move. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, dear listeners. Farewell, dear listeners. And bye-bye. <laughs>